1: Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety from the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me on this Sunday afternoon via Zencaster is my friend Michael Eboff. And Mike, the Islanders, once again, were down 2-1 in a series. Once again, tied the series with a very stirring game at home. Uh, a little bit different than the one they did against the Penguins. But uh stirring game nonetheless. And I don't know, maybe one of the better Islanders playoff games I've ever seen in my entire lifetime. And I wasn't even there. You were there. I, I can't wait to hear about what that experience was like because it looked like uh, a madhouse in there i mean you, here's like a quick anecdote just like
0: after game i was at game three too and game three also was crazy um and you left the building with this weird kind of um taste in your mouth because they played well it was a very fluky way to end the game obviously um and it was but they they didn't deserve to lose the bruins kind of didn't either it was very strange islanders just came out on the other, on the wrong end of the stick and i was trying to kind of wrestle with with those feelings of you know you, you you can't lose playoff games it sucks like there's no moral victories in the playoffs but this was as close as you can get and you know I was walking it was raining which was a- apropos and I'm walking to find my car and uh before these games and uh, when I've been tailgating I've just been bringing a pizza uh with whoever's been tailgating with me we've just been eating pizza And you know obviously on Long Island there's plentiful uh, unbelievable pizza like you can walk three blocks and you walk into an amazing pepperoni slice somewhere. And um, so I went with my friend, uh, Chris and, and he's, his favorite pizzeria is Gino's in Rockville center. So we get the Sicilian pie from Gino's with pepperoni on it. And we didn't finish it before the game. And I put it in the trunk of my car. And so we go in, they lose. He sat, he sat separately from me too. So he beats me to the car and, and I've been driving a 2004 Chevy Suburban and the lights don't work. Uh, and the car, like, so it's, it's, it's on its last legs and I get back, it's raining. I finally see the car and there is my friend Chris sitting alone, sitting shotgun, rain beating down on the car. I open the door and he just looks at me and he goes, I just had another slice of pizza. <laughs> it's still delicious. And that, right, right there that just like kind of calmed me down because he was sad. I was sad, but like, it wasn't like it, it wasn't, the world wasn't coming down. Like it was very strange to leave a playoff game and be encouraged after they lost. And that's kind of been like the series has been. And that carried over, I think, into game four and why the crowd was not really on edge. Like nobody was sitting on their hands. And I know like no one's it's going to be loud. It's a Saturday at Nassau Coliseum, full building. Um, But the crowd was incredibly positive. And and, um, except for me, I mean, I I was I was, of course, very nervous. But like everybody there truly believed the Islanders can win. And so did they, I mean, they played like it. they played an incredibly confident game in basically an you know as close to an elimination game as you can get, and I think like just this this whole attitude of this playoff run so far has kind of been like that, right like it's when mm-hmm. when the island- when things don't go the islanders' way, the reactions haven't been um you know trade trade William Lelander or mitch Marner it's been uh you know. Well, they can. This team can rebound. They, they this, mm. they've shown it in the past, and I think that's what has made kind of the um, the atmosphere so great in the Coliseum is that people truly are confident in this team, and whether they win or lose, like they're going to play the a, a way that I guess we can be proud of. We can really, um, you know, take a lot of good from, and that's you know been that's been the case this entire postseason. Even like after the win yesterday, sure, like. Mm. They deserved to win that game last night. They won the game. It was a party. But then today, it's like, you know, back to work. Like, they got to yeah. win game six or game five. So, yeah, I mean, that's it's it's been wild. What a run.
1: Yeah. The only change that anybody ever asked about after the games is get Leo Komarov off the first line. That's it. That's the only thing anybody ever has to say. Uh, and I guess aside from goalie changes, which have happened, nobody's changing any goalies right now uh, after the way Simeon Varlamov played. We'll talk about him in a second. But uh, yeah, no, it's it's been a fun run. And confident, I think, is the right word. Like that's how they played yesterday. They're, they haven't been, you know, even against the Penguins, you know, when the Penguins would have the run of play, I never felt that the Islanders were like, sort of ready to cave in like they just kind of like, okay, whatever, you know? And I mean, we talked about Josh Bailey having that, that look on his face, like, okay, you know, well, they scored, so let's go out and get, and get a, And that's kind of the attitude of the team. And I mean, obviously it stems from Barry Trotz uh, teaching them that way. And, and Matt Barzell's post-game comments after uh, game four, which he was essentially the star of the game, uh, we'll talk about in a second too, kind of, kind of give off, you know, what the attitude to, is Behind the scenes, you know again, coming from Trots and the way this team operates, and how confident they are in their ability to get the job done that's re- and that's really what it comes down to is just getting the job done and Trotz said before game four, you know it's sometimes they're not gonna be pretty and they're not gonna be spectacular, but at the end of the day, you just have to get it done. This is the playoffs, and you have to you have to somehow come out with with the win at the end of it, but I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Let's backtrack to game three uh, at Nassau Coliseum on Thursday. The Islanders coming off the emotional uh, overtime win in Boston in game two with Casey Zizekas. Um, It was, uh, it was a good game I thought for the Islanders. Um, but I, I don't know if that attitude is shared when a lot of the people that were broadcasting or writing the game, um, it would end up being a two, one overtime win for the Bruins uh, it had a kind of a back and forth field. Craig Smith, who scores a hundred goals a year against the Islanders and, is one of the foremost Islanders killers going on today, perhaps the most the most foremost. He makes Brad Malone look like uh, nothing. It's crazy. I remember him. There's a name that you haven't heard in a long time. Um, he scored early, second shot of the game. Varlamov, I don't know what is with him. Three games or four games in a row, he lets up early shots. It's really irritating. But the Islanders played well in that period. They had a lot more pressure. Uh, Varlamov was much better afterwards. Um, they, nobody scored in the second. Seemed to be a bit cautious for both teams. The Bruins uh, outshot the Islanders thirteen to eight, but it didn't feel like there was that much of an edge. Like it felt like a pretty even period. Uh, going into the third. Barzell ties the game uh with four minutes to go. He he second, third effort on the doorstep, wax it in. Not the most Barzell goal you've ever seen, uh, more of an Anders League type of goal, if we're being honest. But again, it worked and he did it. And it was his first goal of the playoffs. And John forsland and Pierre McGuire and Joe McCaletti was were going on and on and on about that. Um, but the shots were again 21 to 9 Boston, but it didn't feel like it. I'm watching the game and I'm watching the shots, and I'm like, I don't feel like the Bruins are dominating this period and I don't feel like they dominated the game. We've seen the Islanders get dominated this playoff season. They got dominated in game five against the Penguins, came, one, came back and won in overtime because Tristan Jerry handed the puck off to Josh Bailey. We saw them get dominated really in game one of that series, too. We saw them kind of get dominated in game one of this series, too. Like, that's domination. I didn't think the Bruins dominated. They might have had a territorial edge. Might have had more shots, but I don't know. It didn't seem that crazy. And I think I believe both shots, both teams had nine uh high danger chances for the game, which shows you how even it was. Now that being said, it goes to overtime. You think, okay, this is good. This is where the Islanders make their livings. Um, and they had all the pressure in the early going. And Tuka Rask was fantastic. And then one time they come down the ice, Brad Marshan throws the puck, literally threw the puck, really, at Simeon Varlama from the boards, and it goes in. And it was a very weird angle shot. And Varlamov had made 39 saves at that point. He was fantastic. And he lets in one of the worst overtime playoff goals you'll ever see. It wasn't quite Tristan Jari handing off the puck to Josh Bailey, but it wasn't far from it either. And uh, the look on Adam Pellick's face afterwards was like, okay, whatever, man. And then he just skated off the eyes, like smiling. It was this very weird sort of – he looked like the Joker almost, like he was kind of smiling, like he was kind of going crazy. Um, but, yeah, like you said, it was a. It, I, in a lot of ways it was a good game for the Islanders. It's just an unfortunate result. Um, and you know, Marshan is that kind of guy. He just makes stuff happen. And, uh, but I don't remember people being down nervous, I think possibly, because, you know, you do have a whole other game to play, but definitely not down because they played well enough to have won the game. And so, you know, the feeling after it for me anyway, was, you know, my friend Gio was there and, you know, he sent me a string of curses via text message. And I was like, they know what to do. They, they know, they know where to go from here. Like they played, they played an okay a game against a very hard team. They know what to do. And sure enough, Saturday night, they showed that, yes, they do know what they need to do, and they went out and did it.
0: Yeah, I I would also like commend – there's a lot to be proud of um, as an Islander fan, I guess, you know, since 2018, whatever you want to start this new era. Um, But I know there was like a bunch of people who were mad at Varlamov for that goal, but, I mean, talk about a really reasonable response to that game. Like everybody – nobody was like, oh, you know, they – they got to go back to Sorokin like this guy's a bum whatever people understand like he had a terrific game and I would call that goal more like yeah more weird than soft than, than anything else like I've watched it so many times and just being like wow I can't like that is a yeah, goal that I is would a, say that too yeah, yeah it's like a you know yeah he sh- of course he should save it but like I don't know if any other goal like if what other goalie would like at the same point because it was just such an awkward surprising shot and that's kind of you know brad marchand to a t He's just and he's a very very intelligent player um who is it was just a surprising you know little pest and i say that in like you know as a compliment um and he you know everybody leaving that game sure like i said people muttering about varlamov but to to the most point like everybody was just, they got to go back to him because he looked so uh solid in between the goals and he did and he, he obviously repaid that uh, trust in game four because he was fantastic um and you know it's just like like i was saying like leaving the coliseum was so disappointed but then just kind of being brought back to uh you know earth or grounded uh spirits lifted i guess a little bit um by you know not just the hilarious kind of one-liner from my friend in, in the dark in the car but also by the <laughs> way the islanders handled it after the game like you, you talked about barzell after his goal in game four his performance in game four but after game three they were all saying like you know this is the playoffs like you you get sad for a second and then you just got to forget it and they're talking about how excited they were because this how the series has played out and uh, actually on the other side too like patrice bergeron gave a interview that i thought was you know kind of a compliment to the islanders it was like He's like, yeah, like we're really enjoying this series. It's very clean. It's just like really good playoff hockey, which you know it's kind of ironic now that you he he said that. And then you know, game four after game four, Bruce Cassidy's complaining about the officiating, which <laughs> I don't really understand because I thought the officiating was was worse for the Islanders than mm. the Bruins in game four. I think there's really not not too much to complain about with the officiating in the series. Like it's not you know Buffalo Islanders 2007. This has <laughs> been a pretty well. Um, you know, consistent well, series, it, I guess. If you're
1: going to complain about it, it's that they're not doing anything. Like yeah. that's the thing, you know, I don't think it's favored either one team, to be honest.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And, and um, but it was just funny that, you know, Bergeron goes out and says that, and then his coach the next, next yeah. day says that, something else. Uh, but he, uh, I just, you know, everybody after that game, it, it was almost like the Bruins were conceding that, you know, winning game three is means a can of beans. And mm. the Islanders kind of said the same thing. And um, winning game four kind of, proves that out right like now it's a best of three and um it this is kind of what the series has looked like basically since the first period of of game two it looks like these these are just two very even teams that game was incredibly even um Mm. one fluke goal and and you know we'll talk about game four but you think brad marshhand's goal is what one in a thousand goes in and david Pasternak misses an open net (laughs) like that one in a thousand times so it's like it's weirdly been repaid um Mm. in a game that also was you know very very even i think the islanders were the better team in terms of um kind of just controlling the tempo in game four uh and but i I don't think if if you know if someone was just watching that as a neutral and the bruins ended up winning nobody would say well you know they they stole one uh Mm -hmm. because i thought game four was was also just an incredibly well played playoff hockey game between two teams that are hell like if you can win this series you can beat anybody (laughs)
1: yeah i I thought like i said at the top uh, i thought game four ended up being you know it's easy for me to say now that the islanders had won it but even if they maybe had lost i i I think we would have been proud of the way they played in that game uh it was extremely close maybe the closest of all the games even though two of them went to overtime and and you know it's been a fairly close series throughout um the islanders won 4-1 but two of those goals were empty netters so i mean that that score really isn't indicative of just how tight everything was essentially a one goal game uh it was 0-0 in the first the bruins again had 11 shots to the islanders 7 but i didn't think again i thought it was pretty even uh there was a fight taylor halls first fight in many many years against scott mayfield uh probably didn't realize the guy he was taking on there has <laughs> fought a few more times uh recently uh and mayfield i think won decisively um, and yeah, David Pasternak, um, during one of the few Islanders' defensive breakdowns in that game, ends up basically by himself right by the the circle, and he's got a wide open net because Varlamov is shielded all the way to the shaded all the way to the one side, and he just missed it. He missed the put the missed it wide, hit the far post, and came out. And I don't know if anybody else really knew what to do with it at that point. Like everybody kind of seemed to be in disbelief. <laughs> like. What, ha- what just happened? I mean, you, the the broadcast crew didn't know what to do with it. The people on Twitter didn't know what to do with it. I don't think anybody in the crowd knew what to do. It was just a very strange thing and uh, not very, you know, normal for David Pasternak and, I, you know, just crazy. I couldn't, like,
0: you ever. You have those moments, like, a lot of times, I mean, this is drastic, but I, <laughs> it's the only one that comes to my mind, but, like, when someone maybe slams on the brake in front of you and, and you just have to, like, you know you slam on your brakes and you just take a second to just like thank your lucky stars or whatever and like your whole body kind of just collapses into itself whatever um and i apologize for being hyperbolic like that but (laughs) the um that's that's what it kind of felt like like i was on the other end of the ice i was in 231 so i was like kind of behind uh rask for the first and third over his right shoulder and when that when when i saw that pass go to Pasternak. Yeah, I'm like you just slumped because you're just yeah, expecting time slows yeah. down at yep. that
1: point. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I could have walked, got a beer, come back to my seat, <laughs> sat down, and still seen the puck go in. That's what it felt like. Mm. Um, then when it hit the post, uh, and I couldn't hear the post uh, mm. at all because I think everyone was doing the same thing, going ah, like. Uh, <laughs> and then you just see Varlamov kind of just scramble for it. Like I, a lot of people, you, you'd, you'd expect the coliseum to erupt after something like that, or like to clap or whatever. There was really no reaction because everyone was just, yeah, like stunned. And um, I, I remember a bunch of people afterwards was like seeing that puck hit the post. You know, that I think that's a sign that we're going to win this game. And I thought the exact opposite. I was like, whoa. Like, <laughs> <laughs> if, if, if 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 that if the hockey gods fell asleep for a second there, they're going to wake up to make sure the Bruins get repaid. Uh, right. And, uh, yeah, I mean, as the game went on, it was – I I did not – that goal I, – I was thinking about that goal – I'm still thinking of that non goal, <laughs> that near miss, whatever. Um, late into the night, last night, going to sleep, just like being mm. like, expecting them to almost be like, actually, that went in. Like, that counts. Like, I don't know mm. how we can let, let that happen. Um, you know, it's 2 2 or something like that. You know, we'll, we'll play overtime because it, I just, I still am stunned.
1: Yeah. Even now, you know, this is, it's noon right now. So we're about 12 hours or so, or maybe, maybe you know, 15 hours or so after the game is over. I can picture that non goal almost better than I can picture the two Islanders goals that followed it (laughs) because they were both very, very quick. Um, Well, David Krejci scores, first of all, in a power play. Um, The Islanders challenged it because Marchand was right in the crease and his stick was kind of near the pipe, and they said it limited Varlamov's movements. I I thought Bergeron actually fell on Varlamov, which was also kind of interference, but for whatever reason, the, the refs allowed it. The Islanders then had to kill a penalty, which they did very, very well. And Trotz actually, after the game, Cindy thanked the team for doing that because that could have been, you know, his decision to challenge could have put the team in a, in a 2 nothing hole, which would have been a problem. Um, but very shortly after, I mean, it might have been a minute, maybe a little bit more, uh, Barzell crosses behind Rask's net. He pitches it out to Palmieri, who is sitting there and without hesitation, whacks it right in and uh it happened so quickly and the puck bounced out of the net so fast that i think palmary and barzell were the only two people who knew that the thing even went in uh and that and he tied the game and it was a beautiful sight to see it happened very very quickly uh and just like that the islanders went from being down one nothing to being tied at one um that was also when the chippiness really started happening uh matt martin Fought uh, somebody whose name I can't remember now. Uh, it was it did not go well for that guy. Uh, oh, was it Jared Tenorti? Uh he Fought Tenorti. That didn't go too well. Um, Barzell cross-checking David Krejci. He was doing that. Krejci uh, didn't have to spear him in the gonads with his stick, which actually, breaking news, we just found out, Krejci's been fined $5,000 uh, for doing that. I don't know if that's $2,500 per testicle, I guess. Is that how NHL... D- the department of player safety math works out maybe um but uh any event that led to a, a penalty it was going to be a major then they lowered it to a minor w- for whatever reason uh the islanders you know got a power play out of it uh, and barzell looked okay some people call it a dive i'd like to hit you in the nuts with a stick and see how you dive um just shut up like just honestly just shut up you know you want to see a dive go watch pass get hit in the ribs from Leo Komarov in the regular season and watch him take a dive. I mean, you know, if somebody poked me in the ribs with a stick, I'd fall down too. So I don't know, but in any event, um, so it went to third period tied at one. Uh, the Islanders started third with a power play, but it was all Bruins. They had all the pressure in the world. And even though they're shorthanded and it went on that way, uh, back and forth very even for about until there's about seven minutes left when Barzell, again, <laughs> the, this, I, I've seen replays of this, goal now about 10 times and i'm still not 100 sure what happens but there's a bit of a puck bouncing around it ends up on barzell's stick sort of to the right of tuke rask rask didn't really quite see it uh, because he wasn't set and barzell didn't even almost like he just sort of like chip shotted it in and it went in and he started celebrating pointing to the sky everybody went crazy and my wife and daughter were on the couch and i I celebrated and they were like "How, how much longer to go i'm like seven minutes so there's a long time to go but boy, the Islanders—they did something that I don't know a lot of other teams could have done. They allowed the Bruins exactly no shots on goal for the next six minutes and eighteen seconds. They had—they just didn't have any scoring chances. There were, I think, two maybe outside shots at that from prior to that. But for six minutes and eighteen seconds, the Islanders did not allow the Island—the Bruins—a shot on goal. Uh, Rask was looking to come out of the net with about two minutes to go, maybe two and a half minutes to go, and the Islanders forecheck mainly Casey Sizikas, Cal Clutterbuck, JG Pajot spent so much time in the Bruins zone that Rask couldn't even get off the ice. He, he was on the ice for about another minute and a half. Finally, when he they moved it to the Islanders' end, the Islanders just picked it up again. Uh, I think, again, Clutterbuck kind of chipped it to Sezekis, who hit the empty netter. And uh, it was astounding forechecking work, much like uh, Arthur Staple mentioned this in his write-up after the game. That game, two against the Capitals last year. Remember that shift that they just... They had the lead, and they just wouldn't Mm -hmm. let the Caps out of their own zone for about 10 minutes. Uh, It was very much like that, and it was great to see, and it was just awesome. And uh, the Bruins didn't get much after that. J.G. Pajot tacked on another empty net goal with a couple seconds left, and um, that was it. And it was just a glorious, glorious thing to watch. Uh, Rask was fantastic. He got a ton of play from the broadcast crew, but not for nothing, Vralamov matched him save for save and was pretty good, too. (laughs) So I thought that was kind of weird that. You know, it's a one-one game until about seven minutes to go, and you're only praising one goalie. I just, I don't know, was 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 Vlamov lucky? Like maybe he doesn't he doesn't have the same. He wasn't quite as like square and efficient as Rask was. Rask is kind of a machine, but uh, I don't know, man. One guy won the game, and one didn't, and one guy was, I guess, one save better or a couple of saves better. But uh, it was fantastic, and and that work at the end. Yeah, the goals were great. Barzell's goal was great, but boy, that that. Forechecking work at the end is not going to be forgotten anytime soon. I mean, to to keep the Bruins without a shot on goal for over six minutes with at a two one, with a two-one game, uh, to the point where you just pressure them and pressure them, and pressure them, and finally end up with the empty netter was just it was astonishing. And it's very indicative of this incarnation of the Islanders that they are willing to do that in order to preserve this crucial, crucial playoff win at just a, you know, with a two one score. And Barzell said if they had lost that game going back to Boston down three one, it's a death sentence. And they knew that. And they acted accordingly. And it was awesome. I loved it.
0: Yeah. I mean, that that was probably the most yeah, impressive part of the game because, you know, there's that old saying in soccer, especially, you, you could score too early. Well, right. you know, in the playoffs going up 2-1 with seven minutes left in the third period is scoring too early to me. Like, I was like, oh, God, there's way too much time left for the Bruins. <laughs> Felt like an eternity, the first two minutes especially. But yeah, I mean, just incredibly poised, composed. My friend and I were talking after, like, you know, about J.G. Pajot especially. And we're like, what? like what is it about this guy and i was like he just knows exactly what to do and that sounds ambiguous but that's it like he just knows exactly what to do like he and that shift from him clutterbuck sezikis like those guys was um you know that that that's the type of shift that um if if it happened in you know Tor- if it happened in toronto if that was like alex kerfoot and mm. pierre Engval, you know dan, dan and i were joking like i think Pierre Engv- they they would be building Pierre Engvall Square outside of uh Maple Leaf Gardens like right now because mm. and that sh- that shift would be talked about for 3 4 years um yeah. and because it it was yeah astonishing is the right word they um that was probably their most impressive stretch of hockey for not maybe not just this playoffs but going back to the beginning of Barry Trotz's <laughs> tenure like just considering the stakes considering the opponent um i've never seen if you know I, I think if if you go back and watch those last 7 minutes uh i don't know there was maybe one instance where i was maybe a little worried and it was Brad Marchand gaining the blue line and then he got worked uh yeah. that ended up in you know as the empty net goal and there was a split second where i was worried cuz Marchand is is so good at gaining the zone and then putting a little move on to to buy time for the uh, the rest of his teammates to, to catch up with him. And he tried it and yeah, Clutterbuck um, just stayed with him and uh, good God, what a, you know, what a way to end the game. And, and I think we were talking about game six. Uh can't remember. I think it was Arthur staple or someone was tweeting that the Islanders fans were, were cheering dump ins. Uh, mm. And it was the same thing. Like they were the, the, the ovation that, that, that crew got, uh, after you know just the hard work was i'm uh, getting chills just thinking about it. right now that was as loud and as appreciative as i've seen a crowd for any moment um ever like it, it kind of reminds me of uh, you know and, and i think it, it reminds me in a weird way of uh when kenny johnson and steve webb and Claude mm. Lapointe took that twirl um, yeah. after they clinched the playoffs in 2002 against the capitals um you know, because it was just pure that that moment was just pure appreciation. It was, yeah, people were happy because the Islanders clinched the playoffs for the first time in nearly a decade, and it looked like there was you know, some happier times ahead for a franchise that almost went defunct a couple <laughs> years back. And, um, but it was a similar thing. Like it was just these. It was twelve thousand people, just incredibly proud of the effort and what it. You know, just guys doing everything that they could, everything in their power, to make. The people in the crowd happy uh, and mm. proud and that was given right back to them and you know speaking of you know twirls through thir- game you know after being named a star of the game the mm. the barzell uh moment where he came in skating out uh there have been a couple i guess in islander history i don't even want to talk about one after game <laughs> six against the capitals which was you know at the time great but you know the Lubo one mm. when he when he was named first star or second right. star whatever it was at, against the capitals earlier in that series and he skated the entire rink yeah. was one of them. And obviously the Anson one uh, that I just yeah. referenced. And now this Barzell one uh, goes down and as one of the best.
1: Mm, yeah. He, he said our house and uh, you know, you don't see Barzell that fired up generally. I mean, he gets fired up after scoring goals, but that was the most fired up. I think we've seen him uh, in that moment. He's been named the first star before, but he should be fired up. Like it, you know, he and this is what I was saying before. Uh, after the game, he was uh, the press. Uh, he had a press availability with him and, and Paul Mary. And you know, prior to Game Three, Barzell had not had any goals in this entire playoff year, which is amazing considering that they beat the Penguins in six games without a you know a goal from their essentially most effective player and leading scorer. Um, and somebody, I forget what the question was, but Barzell's answer was that. You know, even throughout this whole thing, he hasn't felt down about the lack of goal scoring because they keep winning games. And, like, this is just the playoffs. Like, it's going to be tight out there. People are going to be playing him tight in particular because, really, that's the number one guy you need to focus on. And it's finally now that he's able to find a little bit of space and break out. Now, I don't know exactly why that is. Uh, again, he was basically alone on that game-winning goal. Uh, he had two dudes draped on him in the goal he had in Game 3 that tied the game Um and still managed again to, to whack the puck in past Rask after about two or three hacks at it. Uh, And then with the Palmieri goal uh, where, you know, Barzell again, he was able to get in behind uh, the net the Bruins net and score like that, you know, but one of the better entries he had and Palmieri, you know, gets a lot of credit for being in the right spot at the right time. And he was, but you know, it was good for Barzell to, to get that kind of space and see him there and hit him and, you know, for uh, Palmieri to clean up uh, the pass. So, You know, this is a guy who, again, gets a lot of attention. He gets more attention than basically any other Islander, both on and off the ice. And, you know, if this is the time when he has come to break out, uh, then that's what they need from him. But it's not like he hasn't been playing well. Um, He's been playing okay. Now, unfortunately, (laughs) Trotz went through some cold water on uh, a lot of armchair GMs out there saying that, uh, you know, playing Palmieri with Barzell has resulted in a bunch of goals. They usually do that after... A, uh, killing a penalty because Kamarov is out there usually on the PK, uh, but he likes the way Leo plays with Barzell, and you know they they have a, some I got to give Leo credit; he had a pretty good game uh, in Game Four. He did. He was also screening Rask for a little bit on that that Barzell uh, game winning goal. Uh, so, you know, he, he can be effective occasionally, uh, not just not too often. This <laughs> is every once in a while. Yeah,
0: he's, he's, he is effective in just ways that you really yeah. like Pierre Maguire will pick up on it, of course. And like other people, but I, yeah, I thought I actually, there was one part where I was, I was, there was one play where I think I was pissed off at Leo in that game, which, which means it's a good game. Like, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, bars, I think Barzell and, varlamov and adam Pelik again like they were the yeah. stars i thought yeah Pelik was amazing the Pajot, the Pajot line was incredible again travis ajak again and yeah uh, but i thought yeah like basically everybody who maybe hasn't been having the best run um in the playoff series or hasn't been you know on at the top of fans list kamarov and nick letty in particular were, were pretty good letty had a bad turnover but once again like one miserable turnover from nick letty um is is um kind of not a big deal with the way he's been playing lately and mm. i thought he 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 was skating he was much more like confident thought noah dobson was good i thought andy green actually was was really yeah. good too like he he won a couple big battles in front of the net and um he he did what he had to do and uh when when you know he, the puck needed to be shepherded to safety he he did it and uh you know if the, that that is what this team is right like it's everybody has to play their role um and not above or below it and it looked that's what happened in that game and Kamarov Kamarov's role for better or worse right now is uh just to be an absolute nuisance to get the puck to make sure that Matt Parcell gets the puck um and has a little bit of space and he was all right like yeah I mean I would love to see Kyle Palmieri play since they're two for three on shifts with the, <laughs> between the three of them and I also think you know Barry Trotz isn't going to come out and say uh, yeah mm. no yeah the next game we're going to play uh the three of them together because you know you don't you want to be cagey in the playoffs you want to keep people off i know like oliver wallstrom's making the trip to boston i don't expect to see him again in the series frankly because of the way travis ajak is playing and uh, i mean unless obviously something happens but um it's just you i don't in a weird way like and the series doesn't really call for that it it does call for the the zajak and kamarov types right now and in the same way that it kind of calls for varlamov over sorokin whereas you don't need a game stealer. You need someone just to keep you in the game. And and as uh, as great as Sorokin has played, and how much we love him, you 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 just trust Varlamov to kind of play the Tuukka Rask style, right? Be square to the puck, not not be adventurous, and maybe you know give up the big juicy rebound off a off a shot because you don't you know the team is doing planning that or whatever. Um, so I think. You know, you, you we maybe like then if if they you know by the some miracle advance, um, we, we maybe we do see Sorokin again. But for this series, really calls for your, it. Sounds it sounds uh, you know Pierre Maguire-ish to say. But it, this the series does call for that kind of those kind of types of players over the flashy guys right now.
1: Yeah. Um. One other thing about that uh, that sequence with the uh, no shots uh, in six you know whatever minutes at the end of the game. Um. That was done by rolling all four lines. And while we spotlight Pajot and Sezekis and Clutterbuck on that one play that led to the empty net goal, that was all four four lines doing their thing. And that, again, is the type of team this is, like you said. And, you know, not every team gets a performance like that. And if you wonder why certain teams maybe flame out of the playoffs a little earlier than expected, not going to name any names – might be because they don't have t- players that are willing to do that to they're just willing to go into rabid lockdown mode, <laughs> no shot lockdown mode for six minutes. Now the Islanders weren't trying to score, but they went into four check mode and made sure that the Bruins weren't going to score. And I think that that's a huge thing. And the, the permeates throughout the entire lineup it's pretty crazy um okay um we are going to take a break right now and we'll come back and we'll hear about uh how mike's experience at the game with his uh bruins fan wife emily went (laughs) which i'm sure is gonna be uh very very interesting and we'll also look forward to uh to game five back in boston and uh what uh, what to expect from there okay so uh, come back in a couple minutes thanks In that case, I pronounce you lucky.
0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Our favorite sponsor is VintageIceHockey.com, where you can get t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs featuring over 100 classic hockey logos. They have Long Island Ducks, New York Golden Blades, New York Rovers, New England Whalers, Long Island Jaws. That is true. I mentioned that last week, Long Island Jaws. Uh, you could also use the code Lighthouse15, save yourself 15%. And they also have our Al Arbor T-shirts, uh, and our portion of which goes to the Center for Dementia Research. So uh, you can find all kinds of cool stuff, vintageicehockey.com. And uh, it's a great site. They also have like, little historical notes about the different teams and stuff. So it's a cool place to hang. Um, okay, so... Before we talk about game five, I want to hear about your experience at game four. Uh you went with your wife Emily, who is a Bruins fan. Uh again, I mean it was a pretty even team uh game, I would think. Uh pretty physical though. Uh so it was you know tensions I would say were high, but uh how, how did that go? How did she take I mean we're here talking from the <laughs> victor's side, I mean how did she take being on the losing side of that game? Well, I mean it it was funny because I, I, I like
0: to think that I know uh Nassau Coliseum and the in the fan base, you know, pretty well. Um, and I had a feeling I I knew what the reaction would be like, you know, to walking around with the Bruins jersey. She she wore a Patrice Bergeron jersey, and um, it was kind of spot on, right? Like I I said, as long as you know you're not asking for trouble, you won't get in trouble. And the people around us were were nice to her, particularly, but there were a couple of Bruins fans ten rows ahead of us who weren't um who were asking for trouble and those people bore the brunt of uh you know the long island wrath i guess and uh but she was a trooper like she she as as she'll she she will admit like she's happy when the islanders win um not when they play the bruins i guess but uh, (laughs) another another uh in their other endeavors and uh so it wasn't like uh it's not a terrible thing when the Islanders doing well for her. So she was, she was happy for me, maybe, I guess, but not, not about the result, but for me. And, uh, but you know, the whole experience was funny. I, I mean, I, th- there was one moment at the end, um, that was, you know, kind of embarrassing when we were, the game was over, we were walking to our car and some just absolute lunatic, um, <laughs> was screaming at her, like just screaming at her from like 30 yards away. Uh, and they exchanged, uh, middle fingers, uh, <laughs> back and forth at each other, which, was uh you know looking not back too bad at, for, yeah, not that, too bad. That yeah. like it was yeah. i mean well that was that was kind of like just the conclusion the the mm. the berating was was a little mm. much but uh but like it was uh yeah like that was probably the worst of it and uh we had a we actually had a good time i think in the beginning or before the game um one of our ebay uh winners mike calarco who's uh mm. who listens to us from uh northern california um oh wow flew in this is you know this is island fans and, and this is uh, so Mike f- took a red eye from San Francisco to JFk um, the night before the game stayed at a hotel by the airport came to the game you know he DM me on Twitter saying he had an extra ticket uh, if I can find a taker my cousin Liam ended up taking the t- ticket and before the game you know he met up with us had a, had a slice of pizza and some drinks and uh just a super super nice guy and like also- another guy who just you know he gets uh like all of us like he get like he he was a very good at explaining why you know the fan base is how we are like i think that's part of the uh you know and emily kind of understands it too now like especially after last night with how loud and and just the reactions to little things or she's like i can't believe you guys would go nuts for icings and i was like (laughs) we have so much pent up um pain i guess like that every little chance we get to let some of that out and, and lose some of that, we're gonna do it. Mm. And, you know, having conversations with Mike before and um the game, like you he, he has the same he, you know, it's the same thing. He told a great story about nineteen ninety three and he made a point which which is I, I I definitely acknowledge is true, which is um that's kind of a blind spot for me as a fan because I was I was, you know, three in nineteen ninety three <laughs> and um I think we you know we, we definitely don't pay enough homage to those uh you know mm. quote unquote this these guys. Um, in like that era. And that's probably on me more than anything, but he was talking about a story about like when he, you know, screamed, uh, when the Islanders won that series in overtime and, uh, he thought he was going to wake everybody up in his house or whatever. And, uh, you know, you think that he, he didn't get another chance to do that until mm. basically 2016. <laughs> so mm, yeah. like th- that, those kind of moments like that, we, you know, you have so much pent up from, from lean years that when, your team is up 2-1 and and the other team ices the puck in a playoff game. You're going to go nuts. And I was uh, just
1: going to say it doesn't even have to be that long because every time they ice a puck late in a game, I think about that game in Detroit. It was probably like, I guess, five seasons ago, Ryan Strom like, iced the puck and the Red Wings scored immediately and the Islanders went on to lose that game. Like I think of that every single time they ice a puck late in the game and it, it was a nothing game. And I can never forget that Ryan Strom did that. And they had a bunch of icings in a row. Definitely had, Strom was one. Maybe Mayfield was the other one. I'm not even sure. But
0: well, he's he never ices the puck. Yeah. Down Mayfield, so I can't. <laughs> but like, but, you know, those, those, that is another good example of, right? Like you have these things that like these things that you have, carry around as a fan and in your life as a fan. And, um it's not, it comes you don't get a chance to you know let those things go unless you have moments of like happiness to 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 mm-hmm. do it and um i think you know she saw that last yeah. night in full effect like across one section my buddy she just tapped me on the shoulder and she just looked pointed to my friend who was sitting at 230 and he was mm-hmm. waving his he was no shirt on was waving his hawaiian shirt over his head just screaming at tuka rask just screaming <laughs> at him like a great fan and like it I was like, "That's what I'm talking about." Like, you just don't you. You we've been through so much, mm. and so so much of it has been uncovered by the, you know, national media. Whatever everyone knows, what these fans are going through, they all mm. know exactly what if, what they're dealing with, right? Not many. Only Islander fans know, and people kind of in our orbit know what we're dealing with and what we've right. dealt with throughout you know the past three decades, basically, um, and that's why the the building is sounds the way it is because there's all these people uh, and a you know big majority of them have gone through and wear the same scars that you me and you know Mike and everybody listening to this podcast are and that's why it gets so loud when the islanders have a shift like John Gabriel Pajot had at the end of the game <laughs> like that's why it sounds like that it's because yeah. there is just so much to unpack um and you know I think I think the best way to put it is like Emily left with an, an appreciation for that. Uh, mm. She was disappointed, I think, in the result and um, everything. You know, obviously, but she did say she's she's not going back
1: for, for <laughs> ever again. <laughs> That's probably probably not the worst idea in the world. Yeah. Although I, I will give her a lot of credit, a for going because I I would not have gone to an opposing right. uh playoff game in in the opposing team's colors. Uh, she's much braver than I. I would. Ever uh, yeah, do I that. Th- and
0: a lot of people are saying like you know. Good on you for for not only going but wearing the jersey, right. whatever, and you know, kind of, and just being a good sport, right? Yeah. Like there, there is, and I think as like once again, as a fan base, most for the most part, obviously, every everybody has bad a- a- apples in in any mm. group, um, but I think people Islander fans would appreciate that, you know, like yeah. they 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 we pride ourselves on basically to a man, everybody in this fan base is a diehard because there's not very many of us and to, to put up with what we've put up with you basically need to suffer and um that's you know we we tip our caps to other ones like we yeah. we really do so i think uh you know that's part of the reason the experience let's let's say like you know if you can separate the result from the experience like the experience was positive but the uh, um i think that's part of the reason like the people around us were were uh, i don't know proud is the right word or whatever you know they, just, they they gave her a lot of respect for for doing yeah. that
1: well i was gonna say it was also good of her to wear the bergeron jersey because you can i cannot think of a more respected player in the nhl right now than bergeron he's got you know yep. nobody out there is like hates this guy or just can't stand it like he's just he's the perfect player like you just everybody would wish they had a bergeron on their team he does everything scores defense leadership you know he's got a cool accent, like he's just you know, if she had worn a on jersey, I'm not sure the yeah, experience would have. I think,
0: I think so. She actually had a Marshawn like jersey tee under her Bergeron shirt, which I thought was oh. funny, but like she, uh, but yeah, Bergeron, I mean, he's 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 yeah. incredible, right? He's he's so handsome, he's just like yeah. this incredible hockey per- mm. person. Um, I did, I do like that Barry Trotz uh called out, he like complimented the linesman first and mm. saying they're doing a good job, like keeping him from cheating on face or something. <laughs> okay. um, hey listen, but Wayne yeah. Gretzky cheated on face yeah, Everybody says yeah. so. and uh but yeah I think that definitely played a part in it. Um but yeah I mean I think uh you know it could have it could have gone like a, a number of different ways and it, it yeah. went in a, in a way that was uh you know fine fine cool everybody everybody got out alive and uh <laughs> yeah I'm glad hear that yeah,
1: yeah. um In Game Three, uh, which was I don't know, it felt like a Bruins home broadcast. I felt like those guys again. This is what I was saying before. Like I didn't feel like the Islanders were dominated. Although I apparently don't work for NBC, so I you know maybe I was missing something. But uh, they talked a lot about Charlie McAvoy. And uh, by the way, real quick on McAvoy. So um, Fluto Shinzawa is the guy who covers one of the guys who covers the Bruins for the Athletic. He's very very good. If you haven't read his stuff, you definitely should. Uh, One of the better. Uh, more even keeled athletic uh, writers out there, and um, he wrote a story about McAvoy's Long Island roots and uh, you know being from Long Beach. Now his family. Now we know that Charlie McAvoy grew up a Rangers fan. Thing I appreciated most about this story, uh, obviously his family are all Bruins fans. Now they fly the Bruins flag over the plumbing business that they still run in Long Beach. Turns out the reason that they were are Rangers fans actually is kind of cool. So they've had this plumbing business in Long Beach for a long time. Uh, It was established by Charlie McAvoy's grandfather. And back in the 70s, probably before the Islanders even existed, maybe even earlier than that, um, a lot of Rangers lived out in Long Beach. And so when they needed a plumber, somebody, you know, ended up calling McAvoy's grandfather. And and so he sort of became a plumber (laughs) to a lot of the Rangers that lived there. And they would give him tickets to games at Madison Square Garden and things like that. So that kind of fandom sort of filtered down, you know, normally if somebody's from Long Island and become a Ranger fan, that immediately puts you at the top of my shit list. Charlie McAvoy is still there, but I kind of get the fandom now. And I think I, I thought the story was kind of cute. So I was like, okay, fine. I'll give you a pass on that. But uh, I still don't like him. But w- the reason I bring it up is because during game three, um, they were talking about, you know, again, McAvoy playing on the island. And, and Pierre McGuire said something that he was like, you know, the fans before the game uh, while he was warming up are really giving him the business. And he it, Pierre sounded sincere. Like he was almost shocked that these Islanders fans were like, I can imagine what they were telling Charlie McAvoy through the glass while he was warming up, probably stuff that, you know, would make your grandmother blush, you know, it the, kind of, the kind of stuff you hear on like, you know, Xbox Live when you're playing Halo or something like that. But uh, Pierre seemed really surprised that these Long Islanders would have that much vitriol for a fellow Long Islander. And I felt like being Pierre... He's playing for the other team here. Like, that's you know, there's a reason why those people are angry <laughs> and are trying to give Charlie McAvoy the business because they don't like him. I don't care where the hell he's from. He could be from across the street. It doesn't matter. Like, <laughs> they don't want him to win this game and they're gonna get under his skin. I don't know if it worked. I'm sure McAvoy's heard worse, but uh it was it was kind of funny. I, I that was my interpretation of it. maybe he meant something else, but my interpretation of him would be like, well, I can't believe they're they're giving one of their own this kind of treatment it's like um where have you been pierre like that's kind of what we do here so i don't
0: know <laughs> I, I i'm i've i was uh, one of the perks of going to the game obviously it's not listening to uh, to the broadcast <laughs> You're telling and, me. And, uh, <laughs> I, I just i think it's it, it is uh, yeah they they've even even from like watching highlights back it's just so funny to listen because you know uh They'll be talking about complimenting like something going on with the Bruins or whatever, and in the meet, like they have to interrupt themselves because the Islanders start heading the other way, and it's (laughs) it's not um, it's not surprising. Like we're just used to kind of how it was, but I do I do want to say, and I said this last episode too. Like it is really nice to have like a legitimate reporter on the other end of uh, of this of a playoff series uh, because. Like the Penguins one, which is so brutal to like figure out if <laughs> if Evgeny Malkin was playing or or Casey DeSmith right. because it was uh you know cu- uh, to get to that information you had to find your you had to like fight through um, a ballad about about them and whatever. So it is nice to have to have Fluto, yeah. uh, on the other side because he's that story was good too. Like as a mm. just like reading it, it was funny because I used to live in Long Beach and it was it was just hilarious to. Uh, I used to see the McAvoy plumbing all the time uh, and <laughs> the flag or whatever. Uh, but yeah, it was a good story. And it's just, yeah. it, 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 the series, I think like it, it's weird, like between the way it's being covered, I mean, obviously like Joe Haggerty and, and Kevin DuPont who, who said that uh, I can't even remember what the exact quote was, yeah. but like he was talking about diving, uh, yeah. yeah, parcel diving or whatever <laughs> um, the uh, between the, yeah, be- between Fluto and, and the guys on the Islander side, it's like, it if it's kind of mimicking the way that the series is being played which is the way it's supposed to be in the playoffs like very physical very honest playoff hockey and uh it's that's that's nice it's just like refreshing to mm. to have a p- place to go to for for that kind of um nuanced coverage yeah at a at a place that is not very well known for nuanced coverage at the, at the moment. <laughs> for sure.
1: Uh, okay. So let's look ahead to game five, uh, which is in Boston. This time it's six 30 on Monday night. This time I'm right. I was wrong about game four. I, I apologize. Uh, I thought I had read that. Maybe I, I must've read it wrong, but it's going to be six thirty Monday night uh, at TD garden. Um, you know, much like we said last week before games three and four, I, I mean, it's impossible to predict uh, how this is going to turn out? I, I think the series has been super close, as we said so far. Since about you know the second period of Game Two, uh, which whatever flip switch was flipped, uh, you know made the Islanders brought the Islanders closer to the Bruins. Um, you know they're going to be at home. We here we are talking about our home crowd, the Islanders' home crowd. Well, the Boston home crowd is just as loud, just as just as intense. And I think you know the Islanders know that and can react to that i don't think i don't see them being particularly intimidated by it uh rask is still rask and i don't see too many changes happening oh we never talked about so uh brandon carlo sustained a hit uh clean hit from cal clutterbuck but clearly was in a lot of distress it was was kind of hard to watch his head sort of hit the um the glass uh after being hit and he did not play in game five, game four. He was spot was taken by Jared Tenorti, who's been kind of all over the league. Um, there was another change to the Bruins defense, too. I guess Lazon came back or somebody else played. Um, so, uh, oh, uh, Craig Smith was actually out for game three but he came back. So, um, you know, there might be some changes there. I don't know. Uh, Oliver Wallstrom, like you said, might is going to be making the trip. I wouldn't expect to see him play. Uh, in game five, I wouldn't expect any lineup changes, quite frankly, from Barry Trotz's guys now because everybody's healthy. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what really to expect, uh, you know, other than another tight-checking, very close game. Uh, I do think, though, that for the Islanders, and uh, again, Fluto Shinzawa mentioned this in his article after the game too, like the biggest difference so far in the series has been the Islanders getting, or I should say the game, the biggest difference in game Four from the previous games was that the Islanders were keeping the Bruins uh, tied up in the neutral zone, which, you know, is a big difference. Games one, two, three, they the Bruins were able to skate through, kind of, you know, gain the Islander zone without a whole lot of resistance. Game four was the opposite. The game four, the, the Bruins didn't have a whole lot of room. So if the Islanders can do that again, then keep it tight. And hopefully Barzell's hot streak can continue. Anthony Beauvillier at some point has to score a goal, right? Like this guy, he's arguably been the Islanders' best forward, and he has absolutely no points. I don't think to show for it. But uh, he had a couple of breakaways in Game Three. He had another couple of opportunities yesterday. Um, he's looked great. He just hasn't gotten anything on the scoreboard yet. Uh, so hopefully, you know those things can continue. Um, but uh, you know when games are this tight, and you're expecting—I mean, I go in these games expecting. It to be 2-1. And again, the last night's game was 4-1, but let's be honest, it was a 2-1 game. So uh, I don't know what to expect. I'm going to be nervous, but I mean, I feel like the Islanders, again, have have acquitted themselves pretty well here and and shown that the Bruins, that they're just not going to kind of roll over and go away. So, uh, But then game six is on uh, Wednesday night at Nassau Coliseum, so we'll see what happens regardless of of, uh, what happens on Monday night. Uh, But uh, I don't know. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I'm obviously nervous, but at, at right you know like right now i'm trying my best to uh enjoy the day in between mm. games as best i can which um i think you know I, as as the game was tied one one i was i was coming to grips with the game going to overtime and <laughs> i was I, incredibly scared of the intermission i was like mm. i don't know how i'm gonna be able to cope with an inter- another intermission between overtimes just awaiting the loss so uh, when they did when as, as i was walking out i was thinking about how uh, how i was feeling thinking about that and i was like you better take advantage of the day off and that's what i'm doing but i i think like I th- on paper it just looks like more of the same right like it looks mm. like a game that will we'll, you can basically um you know knock on wood sleep through the first two periods and then wake up and the game will probably be within a goal or maybe tied or whatever um but uh I just it's the, the the margin for error is so thin and uh the one thing I, I, I you the bruins are just very we commend the islanders so much about they're so unaffected they're so composed they don't get high too high or too low and i think the same can probably be said about the bruins like they're not gonna come game five obviously is uh especially for the home team is such a you know important game um they're not gonna come out nervous about it mm. like they're the bruins like they just do their thing and uh, uh so I don't I don't, you know we're, we're, it's very unlikely we'll see anything like that I do think the Carlo in, injury is, is is massive uh cuz the Bruins defensive depth that that was I, I don't think people because of Taylor Hall I don't think people realize when the Bruins uh traded for Mike Riley, how important that was because he mm. came in and Yeah he's uh, been really good. He's been really good. Really good good puck mover really that was a great little move that they made at, around the deadline um because their defensive depth was really tested um, uh, this whole the first half of the season because you had guys like Jared Tenardi coming in and uh, he played game uh, four. Not he wasn't terrible, I don't think, but he's not Brendan Carlo like Brendan Carlos. He's very sound. He's just a great defensive defenseman. Could can move the puck pretty well and doesn't really make mistakes. And uh, subtracting him and then forcing you know Connor Clifton into tougher minutes or Tenardi into tough minutes or Jeremy Lazan like those those are third pair defensemen. Um, And when you're playing the Islanders, a team that really thrives on for for checking, getting deep and making defensemen think twice about what they're going to do. Taking a guy like savvy guy like Carlo out is huge. So, uh, you know, obviously it's 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 this sounds, you know weird to say but you know you're fan right like we're fans like i don't want brendan carlo to play uh, another game of the series because it helps the (laughs) islanders win of course i don't want him you know i want him to be healthy and okay too but uh it's so i you know i think that that looms large uh in uh the way these games will set up and uh i I just you know i just don't expect much to change from either side i think Mm -hmm. the, the goaltending they've you know tuca and varlamov so far have kind of been like mirror images of each other for the most part uh i think everything you know charlie mcavoy and anna Pelic have been massive number one defensemen so it's that's that's what i'm expecting just kind of more of the same which is not going to be fun like there's no fun <laughs> at one point last yes last night at the game emily like looked at me she's like you're having not you're not having fun are you you don't look <laughs> like you're having fun and i said of course i'm not having fun are you kidding me like how is this fun it's one one i don't i'm not brock Nelson. it was like uh it was right after tuca made a great save on josh bailey on a great cross ice feed uh and mm. i was just so miserable because i was like that's going to be the only <laughs> chance that they get and whatever and she's like you're supposed to be having fun when you go to these games i was like i'm not this is not fun this isn't fun <laughs> until until the end and it's and it, that's not a guarantee that it's fun or not it's just yeah. you know you're relieved or you're not, or you're in agony and um, when
1: i watch the games on my computer on my couch my wife every, every once in a while I'll be like i'm trying to figure out what the score of the game is from your facial expression but i really can't tell because <laughs> i um, because i always have this sort of like you know blank stare on my face looking and they could be up they could be up three nothing they and i'm still just looking and you know i mean if it was like a regular season game against some bad team and they were up three nothing with 10 minutes to go i'll be chatty and i would be you know a lot more loose but you know, when, like I said, when Barzell scored that goal, there was seven minutes to go. I was like, they're up 2-1 now, but there's seven minutes to go. You know, like anything can happen. So I, I know exactly what you mean. Like, it's fun now. Like, we're having fun having this discussion. But, yeah, at the time, you know, and I th- but I think that leads to, like, the relief you feel at the end when you're just like, they did it. They tied the series. They won. Fantastic. And then you feel the fun. Like, that's when the three hours of fun that you didn't have at the time sort of all of a sudden rush in. And that's why you can't go to sleep you know until two o'clock in the morning or whatever the night after because because you're that's you know all of a sudden all those emotions all happen at once you know but i'll have fun when it's over
0: yeah that's that's like the perfect way to put it like m- maybe <laughs> maybe i'll have fun when it's over maybe you know, like, yeah there's a 50 50 chance but uh yeah i i just you know we're, we'll be talking uh after game six we'll be back here and, and you just have no idea like you know we could right. it could be the most miserable episodes in years like it could be the happiest episode in years yeah so uh and that's just a series and i do i do wish um more people were paying attention i guess outside of the two fan bases because it it seems like people are still obviously you know reacting to the earthquake that took place in toronto uh (laughs) when the Leafs lost and it'll take a little bit of time for them to wake up and realize that there's whoa they're still playing hockey in other places like i thought the season ended uh on Monday night. Uh, Mm. And I think a lot of people obviously paying, still paying attention to Colorado and Vegas as they should, right? Like to the Mm. best teams in the league. I'm not saying that they should. Yeah,
1: And the the game that immediately preceded the Islanders and Bruins game was that insane lightning hurricanes game too, you know?
0: Yeah. I'm not saying. And so like, I'm not saying that like, Oh, this is everyone should, you know, Islanders and Bruins should be the the, the headline grabbers. But um, when, when you listen to, uh, you know, hockey men talk about playoff hockey uh they basically describe the series like like they talk (laughs) exactly what's going on in this series is like why we love playoff hockey because it's the game changes that everyone's you know so dialed in and physical and Mm. it's controlled chaos it's controlled violence it's everything that makes the sport beautiful uh in one series and not enough and maybe i think maybe now that it's two two i think most people expected the bruins to separate themselves from the Islanders um, at some point, so I think maybe they were waiting to see how the first games mm-hmm. panned out, and maybe we'll hear for from you know tomorrow when the kind of weekend roundup podcasts and articles drop that people are like well you know credit the Islanders whatever you want because we are recording this on Sunday before that stuff kind of drops, but you know I do I do wish because I think the Islanders for 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 whatever reason took so much hate in the bubble for the way they played, um, and they're they're playing you know. I don't. I don't understand how you could watch these two teams play, and as a hockey fan, as a hockey neutral, and come away being like that wasn't fun to watch because it's 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 very um, captivating stuff the way they're playing. The margins are so tight and everything, and I do hope um, at some point that you know, and, and I know that this probably won't happen that this team gets a little bit of credit for the way that they've played uh, through the first month of the
1: playoffs. Well, first of all, this is a great question. And we should have a larger discussion about this. We could do a whole episode probably on this. But I think to answer, the quickest answer to that question is the numbers aren't high enough. Like that's just the scoring chances against, you know, for and against aren't high enough. The Corsi, whatever, you know, if people even use that anymore, aren't high enough. The high danger chances aren't like that. But that's how it works, you know. And so people aren't watching it. When people still call the Islanders boring, I'm like, that's a signal to me that you've never watched this team. Like, I don't know how you can watch a game like that, like last night and come away with the idea that this team was boring. And even in the bubble, either of these teams too, right? Like the Bruins did the same thing. Yeah. They play the same exact way. And even in the bubble, you know, eventually by the end, people did come around to being like, you know what? The Islanders have played legitimately spectacular hockey throughout this entire bubble tournament and that was kind of like in itself an admission of mm, maybe we probably should have given these guys a little bit more credit. Of course then the next season started and all that kind of flew out the window again. But uh you know we and we had we discussed we discussed that. They were one of the best teams in the league throughout the half, first half of the season and then nobody nobody mentioned it until so then they started to and then all of a sudden Andrews Lee got hurt and that was the end of that. But uh yeah, I just you know like th- I, I agree with you. This is playoff hockey. Like it's physical. There's fights, you know. This is something that Islanders fans no matter what vintage you are of, have seen this is our element. You know whether you grew up in the '70s watching Gillies and those guys do their thing, whether you watched them, you know, in the '90s with uh Vuckovich doing their thing in the playoffs. Whether you grew up, you know, we watched the 2000 team and that that series against the Leafs that we're always talking about. Like this is this is the Islanders' element: physical, hard hitting, tight checking, low scoring hockey in the playoffs like this is where this team was built and uh this is you know this is what we live for <laughs> basically and if some you know whatever hockey blogger from toronto doesn't like it well i'm sorry that's just how it's gonna have to be you're just gonna have to <laughs> yeah. continue to not like it and and cry more about uh why the leafs can't win a playoff round i don't know maybe they just don't play this White. maybe that's why and, yeah. and they until they do they're just gonna keep losing playoff rounds
0: oh man well, it's just <laughs> uh, it's just a great like it's uh this will be quick i just i there still isn't enough content about the Leafs collapse out there (laughs) to satisfy my my needs
1: you've been you've been taking in you've been mainlining the steve dangle podcast i don't know if i can do that i did the one i'll be honest i've never
0: i've never watched or listened to him yeah i'm serious like i've I've watched like clips of him on twitter like when people like this is ridiculous or whatever i know who he is obviously but Mm. now i mean i might start i might do What, like, people do when they start watching Lost or something and be like, I'm gonna start from the very beginning and oh my god, 2005 or whatever, and Jesus just take Christ. this entire thing because I can't get enough.
1: Wow, that's uh, yeah, that's I don't, I don't know, you, you'd have to be very strong. That's gonna take all summer, like, if you do that, <laughs> yes. that's gonna be pretty wild. I don't, I don't even know if I can do that. One, one was enough for me, I might go back and listen to that Chris Johnston one that you talked about just before. Um, and Myrtle's gonna be on apparently soon too, so that yes. might be a good one, but I don't
0: know, so that's, great.
1: That's a lot of misery to take in. I might, want to, I might
0: just email him and be like, "Let me be your booker for the next couple of weeks." I have, a, I have a couple other guys I want you to talk to.
1: Yeah, <laughs> maybe I'll give him my therapist number. He could talk to her too. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's definitely out there. So if, you, if you're looking for something to do in the off days, that, that's our recommendation right there. Uh, anyway, uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back uh, Thursday night to talk about you know games five and six, regardless of whatever happens. Um, please leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, again, uh, thanks everybody who left us reviews earlier this year. We really appreciate it. Read Lighthouse Hockey every single day for your most up to date Islanders news and discussion. Uh, Dom, Steve, Jenny, everybody's crushing it. It's great. And uh, where can everybody find you on Twitter? The Big Lebowski with two E's. Follow Mike at The Big Lebowski. Read his work at the Action Network. Um, I don't know, just go watch Steve Dangle's podcast uh, uh, YouTube channel, I guess, if you're uh, into that sort of thing. And uh, we'll be back in a couple of days, and uh, we'll see uh, where this series is at then. Alright, thanks a lot. Enjoy your Sunday, and uh, we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. I don't want to live another
0: life Cause this one's pretty nice Living it Who needs to go to sleep when I got you next to me